0: and welcome to this edition of On and Off, our podcast covering the on-premise and off-premise beverage alcohol industry. I'm Melissa Dowling, editor of Cheers.
1: And I'm Kyle Swartz, editor of Beverage Dynamics Magazine. Today, we're going to be talking about tequila, and our guest for that is Mike Moreno of Moreno's Liquors in Chicago, a top 100 retailer in Beverage Dynamics Magazine and the leading retailer of tequila in America.
0: Yeah, I know you stock hundreds of tequila uh, different tequilas. I think we're talking high hundreds. Plus, Moreno's also has hundreds of brands of mezcals and boasts the most diverse selection of Mexican spirits in the region. So, welcome, Mike, and thank you for being here.
2: Thank you guys so much. Um, for those that don't know me, you know, as, as they had mentioned, my name is Mike Moreno. I am the owner of Moreno's Liquors and Osito's Tap in the Little Village neighborhood of Chicago. And yeah, that's correct. We, we focus. I mean, it's a very large store. We have a massive selection, but obviously what we are best known for is our wide variety of tequilas, which at the moment um, is ranging around almost 950 different varieties of tequilas. Wow. It is a huge
1: selection. <laughs> before yeah, we get into <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, quite, quite the number there, tell, me <laughs> us, tell us a little bit about the history of Moreno's. Obviously, you guys are a family business and uh, how you got to be the, I, I, again, I, I assume the largest retailer for tequila and agave spirits in America.
2: Yeah. Um, so Moreno's Liquors started actually in, in the Little Village neighborhood in 1977. Uh, my father started the business and I had asked him because my, my father was, was actually learned everything in the grocery business. Uh, my grandfather had a couple grocery stores and my dad learned everything in the grocery business. But I asked him, I said, you know, Dad, why, why did you open up a liquor store? And he said, simple, he said liquor doesn't spoil. And um, I was like, wow, this is actually the the smartest thing I've heard. Um, Okay, yeah, that makes perfect sense. And when he opened the liquor store, his main focus was to showcase Latin spirits. You know, at the time in in the early 70s, there was a huge influx of Mexicans coming to Chicago. And there wasn't really any places catering other than grocery stores to that kind of market. Uh, So we were actually the first Latino liquor store open up in in the state. And um, we grew just extremely quick after that. My father actually would tell me stories of how within the first couple of weeks, he ordered a trailer load of Casadores and sold out in one week. I mean, imagine buying a trailer load of Casadores and and selling out in in one week. And this is before Casadores, you know, was bought out and Mm -hmm. uh, the changes in, in the market, obviously different distilleries.
1: The juice back then it doesn't taste anything like what we have today. Hmm. Oh, so what does it taste like? I'm just curious, because that's a big thing, obviously, in whiskey as well, how different vintage whiskey tastes versus uh, modern whiskey. What, what's it like in tequila?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. That's a very um, complex, I'd say a 20-minute conversation to get into <laughs> all of it, um, but to, to kind of summarize it and explain um, how drastic tequila has changed over the years. Back when when tequila was first coming into the market, you know, those agaves, for example, let's just talk about the agaves. The agaves were aged for anywhere between eight to 12 years. Oh, okay. Go down to Mexico now, you're going to see that majority of these people are aging their agaves no more than four to six years on average. Yeah. So, and that obviously has a lot to do with the, the, the high demand. They're having a hard time mm-hmm. keeping up. But back mm-hmm. in the day, tequila was not as popular. They were able to age it to that right maturity where you actually are getting the most uh, residual sugars. So you get a, a little bit of a sweeter, but more far more complex tequila because of that. And then on top of it, there was a, an agave famine that happened uh, back in the 80s that totally wiped out a large portion of, of the Blue Weber agaves at that time. So you put those two things together and and, and what you're getting today does not taste the exact same as mm. what you're getting, uh,
1: I would say, pre late 80s. Really? That's that's very interesting. It's the first time I've ever heard that before. Thank you so much. And you know, you, you brought up one of the important questions we want to talk to you about, which is the idea of keeping stock of tequila and uh, you know how hard it is to get some of these bottles right now, especially with a giant demand and how long it takes to age the plant and then age the liquid once it's distilled. So how is Moreno's keeping stock when you have 900 plus brands?
2: Um, it's challenging. You know, it, it's funny. So... There are things that are coming in and out of the market constantly these days. However, there's so many new brands that are coming into the market. There's so many new small distilleries, small new players that are that are wanting to get in that our shelves are always full. However, that doesn't mean that we always have the product you might be looking for. I feel like it's always exactly what you need at that specific moment is what seems to be out of stock. Absolutely.
0: Right? It's constant. So...
2: So we, you know, we try to get a good forecast on the, on, on the future, you know, especially with the holidays coming up with, with people going out more these days, we're trying to forecast and make sure that we order appropriately. So that way we have those products in stock for as long as possible. However, there are brands that have been out of stock for almost six months, if not longer at this yep. point.
0: Yeah. So what are people looking for now when they come into the store particularly?
2: So I, I think that depends on where you are in the US, Chicago, because it's, it's uh, you know, colder up here because whiskey is very popular up here. You're seeing a, a large trend on Añejos. However, like if you were to look at the West Coast, they are heavy Blanco drinkers over there. You know, it's, it's warmer outside. They want something that's a little bit easier drinking or things that they can mix with cocktails more. But uh, Chicago and the Midwest in general is is heavily focused on um, on Añejos, and those seem to be the things that, that run out of stock constantly.
1: So I just did a retailer road trip. I drove all throughout New York, New Jersey, upstate New York. I was in Manhattan. I was on Long Island. I was in the wealthy coastline of Jersey. I was in the middle of nowhere, rural Jersey. And everybody was saying the same thing, which is that tequila is just red hot, red hot. And of course, I already knew that, but it was nice to go out and see that and hear what I suspected. Why is tequila so hot and what, I mean, who exactly is the demo? And just to preface, what I kept hearing is the demo is everybody. Why is everybody drinking tequila and why is it so red hot?
2: So tequila is growing almost 20% annually right now. That's a huge uptick from uh, the 5% that it was growing back in, I think, like 2016. I mean, d- think about that drastic difference right there. So right now, a lot of the people that are going for tequila, I, I, again, it, it depends on the market. I would say some of the people that are that are transferring over to tequila are actually whiskey drinkers. As surprising mm-hmm. as that sounds, part of that has to do with the fact that you know these these tequilas that are añejos or extra añejos are aged in some of their favorite pack in some of their favorite um, uh, whiskeys. Corazon, for example, did a very good job of marketing that with like their Eagle Rare or Old Rip Van Winkle aged añejos. Mm-hmm. And so people are like, oh, wait a second, they're using these barrels, they want to try them now, and they're getting some of those nuances. Um, On top of that, with the drastic rise in prices of whiskeys, tequilas seem like a far more affordable and interesting uh, market to go into. Mm -hmm. Although that's changed a lot, I feel like Mm tequilas are getting quite expensive now. And the last big thing, I would say that to an extent, it, it has to do with the kind of health conscious... Folks that are out there, while tequila might not seem as a healthy thing to drink, it's a healthier alternative to other spirits because it's gluten-free and uh, lower in calories than some of the
1: other spirits that are out there. Sure. Melissa, before you ask your question, I just want to jump in. You brought up the idea of whiskey drinkers moving into tequila, uh, which you you said might be surprising. I don't think it's that surprising. I, I see that a lot myself. Uh, and there's a quote I love from T.J. Douglas. He's the owner of the Urban Grape, a top 100 retailer and the premier wine store in Boston. He told me years ago, and this must have been five or six years ago, he was very prescient with this quote, but he said, all whiskey drinkers are tequila drinkers. They just don't know it yet. <laughs> and it sort of feels like they they know it now. Yeah, 100%.
0: <laughs> Anytime you met, mention whiskey, Kyle's going to jump in, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> um, so what about some of the other spirits from Mexico that we're hearing more about, like Bacanora, Soto, and um, is it or?
2: Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of them. There's poche, there's bacanoras, Raizia, Sotols, Mezcals. I mean, it's almost an endless list. Uh, Well, Sotol wouldn't necessarily be an agave spirit. That's, again, another story. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so, I mean, our, our store has such an eclectic mix at this point. I wanted to make sure that we uh, we're educating our consumers and bringing in unique products. So, I mean, when, you, when it comes to mezcals, for example, I've got like 450 different mezcals. When it comes to agave distillates, you know, I, I haven't done a count on that, whether it's Bacamoras, Vecillas, but it's easily at least 50 or more. I just don't know off top of my head on that. I, I've never done a count, but you're seeing more of those kind of come into the market. More people are interested in them these days. I think it's because think about the consumers these days, Every, you know, cocktail trends had been going up education uh, as far as like spirits have, have gone up drastically over the last 10 years. And so consumers are, you know, they'd rather spend more money on a higher quality product than on something that is going to give them a horrible hangover without any reward, I guess, to an extent. So People are, are interested, they're intrigued by these spirits, you know, they're, they're saying, you know, I, I like tequila or I like mezcal, but um, I never had Bacanora or I never had Raycia. What is that? And uh, that's when you start to kind of get down the rabbit hole. And especially with Raycia, for example, Raycia, which is something that you could find a little bit more typically or that be on the west side of Jalisco, more in the mountainous areas. They're like, wait a second! This is another agave spirit, but from Jalisco. Um, you know, I, I've had tequila, but I've never heard of ricea. And so they're intrigued by this kind of new spirit or newer, quote unquote, spirit to the market. I wouldn't consider it a new spirit.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You brought up a couple of trends we did want to ask you about as well. You know, you mentioned how high consumer education is right now, and it's worth mentioning. I think another thing that's really helping the tequila category right now, is same thing that's kind of helping all premium categories, which is as you said. Consumer education has never been higher. We did all just spend the last three years at home or, you know, at home <laughs> through, for some extent of the last couple of three years. And it seems like uh, a lot of self-education happened during that time. So no surprise that it also led to people understanding tequila a lot more, certainly understanding that it's more than the cheap crap they drank in college and got hung over <laughs> on. Now there's a, you know, obviously the premiumization of tequila matches the premiumization of any category. Uh, You also mentioned cocktails, obviously the at-home mixology movement saw so many people learning how to mix up high-end cocktails at home. Can you tell me a little bit about what you're seeing uh, people doing with tequila in the cocktail space?
2: Yeah, I mean, cocktails, like I said, have exploded. So, I mean, even at my store, I have uh, a far wider variety now. And not necessarily, I wouldn't say insanely wide, but I have a very niche selection of uh, liqueurs and, and various other things that can be utilized to mix and make cocktails. And a lot of people are utilizing these for, you know, agave spirits. They, they want to find something unique. They want to do something different. And so you're, you're, you're seeing, um, a trend in, in kind of homemade mixology mm. or, or at home mixology and people that are just watching these, these TikToks or, or going on YouTube, And they they want to try something different. So I think, again, when it comes to like agave distillates, you're going to find different flavor profiles that you typically won't see even just with tequila or or mezcal. But even with the tequilas, you know, now you see, oh, rather than making a regular Negroni as, you know, something that's been around forever, why not try tequila or or why not do um, an old, you know, old-fashioned with tequila? And there's all these people that are now experimenting which is kind of helping tremendously with with the growth of the brand.
0: Right. And another thing, I assume it's helping, but you know, so many celebrities have tequila brands now. I mean, do you, do you find people coming in to look for those brands based on that or?
2: Yeah, there are, <laughs> that's a hot take for me. There are some uh, celebrity brands that I carry, there are others that I, I, I don't support. And at the same time, I, I would say that there are definitely people coming in looking for specific tequilas, you know obviously because of the celebrities. you know Casamigos is obviously the most well known. Um, however, what started that trend was definitely brands that were um, that were already being promoted and, and by celebrities, that were known in Mexico, like uh, Jenny Rivera. She has her own tequila. You know, that was a very, very hot ticket item. Tequila Honor is another one, but these are brands that were a little bit more well-known in the Mexican communities. And I think as celebrities kind of saw this, they're like, well, wait a second, you know, tequila's on the up and up. This person that I might not be familiar with is doing very well with these brands. Why can't
1: I do the same? Mm, Absolutely. Uh, and speaking of trends uh, in tequila that started in Mexico and then kind of came up to America, can you tell me a little bit about the Cristalino trend we're seeing right now?
2: Yeah, Cristalinos. I actually, I think Cristalinos are starting to putter out a little bit. Mm. Um, there's still a good amount of of movement on it. However, there's just there's starting to become an overabundance of mm. Cristalinos that are coming to the market now, and you know, consumers are are, are kind of sticking with what they know and not venturing as much out to these other cristalinos. Uh, but cristalinos are, are, you know, they're very good. Again, it, it's, it's a smoother, uh, easier drink for, for most consumers. And, it, and it's unique. You know, they're saying, well, it's a reposado or an añejo, but there's no color to it. They want to know more. Obviously, the first people to really focus on that was uh, Maestro Dovel with their Diamante. And they're mm-hmm. still one of the most popular ones out there.
0: Yeah, I kind of wondered how that those were going to do because it's, you see a clear, very pale tequila, but it's aged. And I think, you know, there might be some resistance to the price points behind them. So I just kind of wondered what most, you know, consumers thought about that.
2: Yeah, I mean, chusalinos, like I said, they're, what, what's nice about them is they still have that, that nice big flavor profile to them, but they're a lot smoother than, let's say, drinking an, a, an añejo. Um, you're not getting as much of that caramel or vanilla flavor profiles that you might typically find in an Añejo. You know, it's, it's like as if a Blanco and an Añejo had a baby and there you go, you got a Cristalina. <laughs> <laughs> They're not mixed though. Not mixed.
1: <laughs> uh, so, uh, do, are you seeing tequila single barrel picks taking off at all? I know obviously that was very hot and whiskey and I know, obviously I'm friendly with a lot of retailers and I see some of them doing the tequila single barrel picks so and some of them fly off the shelves and then some of them kind of sit on the shelves and I can't really get a gauge on how that category is doing.
2: Yeah. I mean, I would say it depends on the market. I don't see mm-hmm. as many retailers utilizing the single barrels out there, um, but we do very well with our, our, our tequila single barrels. You know, I, I do just Maestro the Bell alone. I'm doing, Roughly eleven to twelve barrels of uh, single barrel that we do with them on the Diamante side, and another eight barrels on the añejo that uh, we we have. You know that so that alone is really good. Those are really good numbers. But I also focus on really unique tequilas and other single barrels that that I bring in, and they they do very well for me. I'm not going to say they fly off the shelf. Some of them can mm-hmm. be quite expensive. You know when you start getting into those older age stated añejos they could be getting into the $80 to $100 price point, mm-hmm. especially right now because barrels are so expensive for them to get down there. There's an agave shortage. There's high demand. There's a glass shortage. I mean, so you put this all together. Now you're getting añejos that are $80 to $90. And I think that's why you'll see more retailers doing reposados. Um, and those have become quite popular. Ironically, my store has never done reposado. Um, i only done Añejos, but we do very well with ours.
1: Uh, for a retailer who's considering doing a single barrel tequila, what are you looking for when you pick a single barrel tequila?
2: Great question. So I, I mean, I blind everything. I don't, I don't mm-hmm. want to be swayed by any flavor profiles or the things that they might tell me. Uh, when, it, when it comes to a single barrel Añejo or even just a single barrel in general, not even an Añejo, just if you're doing a single barrel Um, It comes down to the flavor profiles. I mean, it's hard for me to say because it's my palate and other people have, you know, other ideas of what they consider to be high quality, you know, palate to an extent is subjective as far as flavor profiles go. But I myself am looking for that agave forward. Mm. I always say that the barrels should enhance the flavor profiles, not overpower it.
1: Totally agreed. Uh, one last question we wanted to ask you was about, uh, and I know we already kind of asked you this about keeping tequilas in stock. Let's talk about the other side of that, which is the agave shortage down in Mexico. What are your thoughts on how that's being handled? I mean, so
2: it's it's a trend. If you look at, it, there's actually plenty of data out there to show that um, agave shortages happen. I think it's like every... 11 or 12 years, maybe it's a little longer. I can't remember. Don't quote me on that because I can't remember the exact thing. It's there, too late. It's already out say, there. Is this is a recorded <laughs>
0: podcast There,
2: there is, there is uh, data out there, plenty of statistics <laughs> that'll show you the graph, kind of like the stock market, that show that there are, it, it's a specific amount of time where there will be a, an agave shortage and then an agave surplus. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now we are going through that shortage, but all of these facilities have been putting tons of money into growing more agaves mm-hmm. i mean there are you go out there and there are miles and miles of just fields of agave out there so you know it, it's something that is temporary it's not going to be lasting forever i think if anything i'm more concerned about glass shortages and stuff mm-hmm. like that than i am about agave
0: yeah that's no joke
2: <laughs> yeah it's getting uh, crazy out there
0: mm-hmm. so uh- I'll sneak in one last one on Kyle. Um, Hmm. How long do you think this tequila boom will last?
2: Actually, I'm going to be honest with you. I have no idea. That is a really hard question. It's very hard, especially since the pandemic. I feel like it's hard to forecast more than six months ahead. You know, before you could forecast a couple of years, so on and so forth. But nowadays, you're just focused on what the task in front of you because of the shortages, whether it's labor or anything else that might be going on, I'm heavily focused on, okay, what do I need to do to make sure that we make it through the holidays? I'm not even looking at what are we going to be doing in eight, nine, 10 months from now. So I think it's kind of hard to gauge that. I don't think it's going to be ending anytime soon, especially with all these celebrities getting involved, especially with these other agave distillates that are coming to the market. Uh, The education that's been put in that you didn't see before. So I I think it's going to be here for a while. It's a very fascinating segment of the the liquor industry and far more complex than most other things. I mean, you have to look at agave spirits like wine. So, you know, there's terroir and everything else that's going into it. That all plays a role in how it's going to taste. And so I think it's going to be here for quite a while.
0: Yeah. It has a lot going for it that, you know, some other spirits don't.
2: Exactly. Yeah. You know, and talking about whiskey, like we were before, whiskey has a cap, you know, it, it, there's only so far it could go unless you age it for 50 years and you just pick up the barrel mm-hmm. or unless you get, you know, barrels that are you know, made from wood that's 200 years old, that might change the flavor profile uh, or unless there's some sort of crazy heat wave that affects the the crops, you know, for the most part, a lot of spirits have have a cap where agave spirits are a little bit more open.
0: Mm. Mm. All right. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thank you, Mike, for being with us. That's Mike Moreno from Moreno's Liquors in Chicago. And thank you, everyone out there for joining us.
1: Yeah. Next time you're in Chicago, definitely go check out Moreno's Liquors. And uh, please do join us next time for our podcast uh, when we'll be talking about 2022 craft beer trends and looking ahead in that category as well. And until then, cheers. Cheers. Thank you,
2: guys.
0: Thanks, Mike.